This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady on this week's show. Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. A quick little programming note here. So uh, John emailed me and said that uh, the shows haven't been appearing uh, on the Google Play or Google Podcast Store or whatever they have over there at Google. I'm an Apple guy myself. But anyway, after 11 years of being in the Google Play Store, I had to re-verify my feed for some odd reason. Um, So that email wasn't spam. So now I wait for the robots to re-index my RSS feed to get us back on the Google Play Store and the Google Podcast app and all of that stuff. So fun times. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So a whole lot of cruise lines dropped mask mandates late Friday night. Yeah, pretty much everybody dropped it. I think we kind of assumed this would be coming when the CDC lowered basically the threat level from four to three. So it went from very high to high. And then they also introduced, you know, their new program, which we're going to talk a little bit later. So with all of these things combined, they basically have decided that they're dropping it, but they're sort of, (laughs) they're sort of trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because on the one hand, what they're basically saying for the most part is we are not going to require you to wear masks, but we still recommend that you wear masks. And I think that's sort of the two-sided language that they're using to get around this. What's kind of interesting is at around the same time, Walt Disney World announced that they are also dropping their mask mandate. Now, the way Disney did it was Disney said, we are dropping our mask mandate for vaccinated guests, which, you know, sounds like, okay, that makes sense. It's the same thing the cruise lines are doing. The difference is Disney does not actually require that you prove that you are vaccinated. I was talking to someone today who happens to be at Disney World this week, and I I confirmed it with them. I'm like, so is that really the rule? They're like, yeah, they tell you that you don't have to wear a mask as long as you're vaccinated, but they do not actually check to see if you're vaccinated. Whereas, of course, the cruise lines actually require you to, you know, not only show your vaccination card, but get a PCR test before you even get on the ships. So there's sort of that double layer of security there that allows them to feel like, okay, we can, you know, we can drop the mask mandate. Now, this could all change again in two weeks. You know, there's constantly talk of another variant out there. And uh, that's what happened with Omicron. Some of the cruise lines had just dropped their mask mandate. And all of a sudden, Omicron came along and they said, okay, let's mask up again. So it's sort of, yes, you don't need a mask right now, but don't plan on that being the case a month from now, because it could completely change. And it looks like some of the cruise lines are requiring that if the kids, like, for instance, Royal Caribbean with their Adventures Oceans Club, the unvaccinated children will still have to wear a mask uh, in the kids club because they're under that threshold, I guess. Right. And plus, some of the clubs have, you know, that weird age gap where, like, you Mm -hmm. know, under five is not currently able to get vaccinated. But what if your club deals with children from, say, age four to nine, you know, then you've got kids who are vaccinated with kids who aren't vaccinated. And some of them just aren't dealing with it at all. You know, some of them are just like, yeah, we're not opening our kids clubs right now. So, so, you know, if you want to come on a cruise, great, but you deal with your child. This next story, I feel like we do it every year. We're going to do it again right now. The world's largest cruise ship is in the United States. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. We, we of course, report it as the world's largest cruise ship, but the real reason they do it is for the mainstream press because mm-hmm. every single year they roll out. Royal Caribbean rolls out another Oasis ship, and it's always the world's biggest. And, you know, it, it gets lots and lots of mainstream publicity when really what it is is it's like, you know, two inches bigger than the one that came before it. Right. But it's really <laughs> smart to constantly, you know, to, to keep feeding that beast that is the media. Uh, there's so much negative press given to the cruise industry that, hey, if Royal Caribbean can get some positive press out of having the world's biggest ship, more power to them. For the most part, it's pretty much, you know, it's Wonder of the Seas. It'll be sailing out of Port Everglades. It officially debuts on March 4th. It's going to start doing a series of seven-night Caribbean cruises. And then in May, it'll cross the Atlantic Ocean to spend the summer in the Med. It's mostly the same as the other Oasis ships. Um, They are introducing a cool new restaurant that I kind of want to try, the Mason Jar Southern Restaurant and Bar, because I'm all about Southern food and drinks. So that sounds kind of cool. But for the most part, you know, it's the same as all the other ships, but they're getting the publicity bang, more power to them. 
One thing I have noticed, though, Richard, is that the years past, we brag about, oh, this ship can carry, first it was 6,000, then it was 6,500. Now, this one is like two people short of 7,000, but we're really not towing that line this year. No. And, you know, I mean, is this really the time that you want to be bragging about just how many people you can shove into an enclosed space? Maybe not. I mean, you know, you look at Norwegian, their next line of ships is they're actually making a move towards smaller. Now, they they had been planning this even before COVID because they they wanted to sort of, you know, bridge the gap between their jewel class ships and then their breakaway and breakaway plus class ships. So this next class will be a little bit smaller. But yeah, I think that if you really stop to think about what world's biggest ship means and the number of people you're putting on it, that probably could give some people pause. Yeah, I can see the headlines now. So it looks like the uh, old Canada, New England sailings, they're going to ramp back up this year. And uh, these Canadian ports are going to see cruise ships for the first time in, well, two years. Two years, can you imagine? I mean, I I feel like it's about that long since I've been to Port St. John, Mm -hmm. which is in New Brunswick, and it's going to be having cruises return to their waterfront starting May 4th, 2022. Uh, The first ship showing up there is going to be the Pearl Seas. No, actually, it's called the Pearl Mist from Pearl Seas. And it's sort of a smaller ship. It's only 210 passengers. So that's a nice way to sort of like ease back in to having, you know, the mad crush of tourists that can come when you've got three or four ships all in port at the same time. They're expecting that this season between May and November, about 69 cruise ships from 13 different lines will hit. So that will definitely be a positive impact on the local economy, which, you know, there's always those arguments. Some of the locals say, you know, oh, we don't want the cruise ships here. We don't want that many tourists coming to us. But there's also all of those businesses that thrive on the cruise industry that need, you know, it's 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 like in Jaws when they didn't want to close the beach and the line was, uh, Amity mm-hmm. needs summer dollars. It's the same thing here. You know, these towns need the cruise money. That's, that's a big part of their economic survival. Yeah, and it looks like there's ships from all uh, all the cruise lines. You have uh, Royal Caribbean, Regent, Princess, Norwegian, Holland America, even Carnival showing up there um, come late summer for their Canada New England runs out of New York, which Magic is going there. Celebrity. Well, so. I'm sure there's going to be. I'm sure there's going to be. You know, it's well, how how often have we talked over the last two years about pent up demand? Yeah, that certainly goes for Canada as well because you know people love those Leaf Peeper cruises, especially. I mean, I've done a couple of those, and you know, when you sail out of a port like New York you typically have one of two options. You're either going to go like down to the Bahamas or the Caribbean or up to Canada. Mm-hmm. And we don't even get that many Canada runs. Yeah. So, you know, for people like me, that's that's an awesome option. And, and we haven't had it the last couple of years. And we don't like these stories. Another ship heads to the scrapyard. Yeah, this time it's the Carnival Sensation, R.I.P. Looks like it's reportedly been sold for $11 million, so I guess our bid of $22.17 was rejected, (laughs) and it is now headed to a scrapyard in Turkey. This isn't all that unusual. I mean, you know, during the extended shutdown, as Carnival was trying to, like, sort of, you know, keep itself liquid and make sure that it could continue going forward, uh, the corporation, not Carnival Cruise Line, but Carnival Corporation, got rid of 20 ships overall. So this isn't, you know, that big a deal, really. It's one of the older ships. The, the ships tend to have a lifespan of about 30 years. I'm sure that they probably, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here, but they probably tried to sell it somewhere else first, because obviously if you can get a buyer on the line, you're going to get a better price than you are for scrapping a ship. The other thing that's kind of interesting is to see what they saved from the ship. And the reason I say that is, well, we'll talk about that in a minute because that's for a future story coming up. So remember that the Carnival Sensation was sold and we'll loop back to that in a minute. I think I know where you're going with that. So we're going to shuffle the notes here. Hate to throw you off and throw a curveball at you, but let's do that story right now. Sure. So we're talking about the Carnival Celebration. So this week, Carnival released some more information about it. Uh, We have known for a while some of the details. You know, it's a sister ship to Mardi Gras, and in many ways, it's going to be the same. It'll have some of the same neighborhood, or they don't call it neighborhoods, sorry, they call them zones. Royal Caribbean has neighborhoods. It'll have some of the same zones as Mardi Gras did, although they are saying that two of them will be new. 
They gave us information about four of the zones this week, but none of them were new. They were ones that we already know. You know, there's the the Grand Atrium, which is has a slightly different name here, and then there's the sports, the ultimate uh, sports debt playground, and the the Lido. Uh, so they they gave us basic information that we already knew. But what was kind of interesting, and what plays into the previous story, is that. One of the things they're doing with Carnival Celebration is making it a, in keeping with the name, celebration of all things Carnival. And so as part of that, they're going to take things from some of the former ships and incorporate them into the design of this ship. For example, they have something called the Aquaria Bar, which I'm pretty sure was the Grand Central Bar on Mardi Gras. It sounds like the same basic space. But here what they're doing is they're taking the ocean-themed glass murals that were on the Carnival Victory, and they're going to incorporate them into like this two-deck-high wall behind the bar that's going to create an aquarium-like effect. If you remember on Mardi Gras, they sort of have like – it almost looks like a waterfall behind the Grand Central Bar. This will be sort of along those same lines from what it sounds like. But there will be other spots around the ship that – they will take things from previous, um, whether it's from previous ships or things that like have a connection to the history of the company, which is about to celebrate its 50th anniversary, not coincidentally, and they'll incorporate it into the design of this particular ship. And finally, 111 cruise ships have opted into the CDC program. I will admit that I was a little bit surprised by this. Now, I knew that pretty much every cruise ship on every cruise line was going to opt into the program. But I really, if you had asked me to bet on it, and you know I'm a betting man, I would have bet that Norwegian was going to come in at that highest level, the one that requires both vaccinations and booster shots. But they didn't. No one has come in at that level. Of the 111 ships, 108 have all registered under the highly vaccinated level, which means that 95% of crew and passengers have to be fully vaccinated. They do not have to have their booster shots, but they have to have, you know, whatever is, whatever, whether you're doing the one shot or the two shots, you have to have been fully vaccinated within two weeks before boarding. So what's interesting is there's three ships that are unaccounted for, you know, there's 111 ships in total have signed up for the program. 108 have signed up for highly vaccinated, but the other three don't seem to show up anywhere. So I'm not really sure yet. Um, We'll have to get back to you on where those three ships figure into things. You will now be able to go on the CDC website and they've sort of rejiggered the color status board a little bit so that it makes it a little bit easier to figure out, you know, whether there have been COVID cases on your ship recently. If so, how many, at least sort of by a percentage, they don't actually report the number, but it's um, a pretty searchable, it's a pretty easy database to use once you figure out where to push and where not to push. But, you know, this is again, a step in the right direction where we've got everybody signing up for the program, just like the CDC hoped they would by the 18th. The only thing we don't know is about those three mystery ships. It is interesting, though, because you see how the cruise lines, and I think we might have touched on this last week, how they were holding out. Like when we recorded last week, the cruise lines haven't opted in yet, except Norwegian. And then the uh, CDC lowers the cruise travel warning from a level four to a level three. And then like two days later, all the cruise lines opt in. So there's like it's so almost bureaucratic. Why, Douglas Parker, are you suggesting that there was a little cooperation going on there? You give me this, you know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Kind of seems like it, huh? It does. It really does. Uh, It did sort of fall into place. And and it also was not surprising that the majority of cruise lines did not announce until the very last minute, you know, like on the on the evening of the 18th was when the various announcements started coming down. (laughs) So listener question comes from Greg this week. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. I am hoping to bid for an upgrade on an upcoming Norwegian cruise line sailing. I have a balcony cabin and I want to get up to the Haven. My question is, is there a minimum I should do or is there a sweet spot I should shoot for? Yeah, one thing you don't want to do is bid the minimum. So very rarely is a minimum bid going to win the Haven. Now, that's not to say a minimum bid can't win, and it certainly can win outside of the Haven. I have in the past won. I was in an ocean view. No, I was in an inside, and I bid to go into an ocean view. And I bid the minimum and I got it. So that's that's not that unusual. But the higher up the scale you go, the you know less likely you're going to get in with a minimum bid. 
you can do it. I have heard of it. But really what you want to do is you're going to, when you go on the bid to upgrade site, they have sort of, it's almost like a uh, scale that goes from minimum to maximum and shows you sort of whether your bid is a good one, an average one, or a bad one. You want to be at least you know, in the second zone there. You don't want to place a minimum bid. If you really want this, you know, if you, you can also make sure to price it and see. There have been a lot of price drops lately, including in the Haven, and you might be able to get a good deal in the Haven without having to going through the bid through upgrade, where you might end up paying more than you would otherwise. Make sure that you really read and understand all of the rules regarding an upgrade. Um, you know, there are important things to know, like that you don't necessarily have, well, not necessarily, you don't have any control over which one you get. So, for example, if you bid on, say, a Haven Spa suite. You will get a Haven Spa suite if you win that bid, but you won't get to pick which one. They will assign one to you. It's also important to remember that when you bid, you're going to end up paying double. So even if you're traveling single, which I do, if I want a bid to upgrade and my bid is accepted, it is double. You are paying double occupancy. So if I bid $500 for an upgrade, I am actually going to be charged $1,000 if I win. I'd like to also see the data on how many people are moving towards the Haven type experiences during the restart just because they might feel safer up there. I know that's been my personal reason for doing it. I've never mm -hmm. done the Haven before. I've always wanted to, but I never really could justify the price. But right now, I'm sort of like, you know, with everything going on, the fact is the Haven, you know, is a little bit removed from some of the stuff that I, it's got its own private bar, its own private sun decks, its own private restaurant. Now, that's the other thing to know is not all havens are created equal. For example, the haven on the smaller ships doesn't have the same amenities as the havens on the breakaway and breakaway plus class ships. So you also want to make sure, you know, don't just, if you're doing research, don't just go on YouTube and search for a haven video. Make sure you're getting information that is accurate to the ship you're bidding on. Because I've heard of people who, you know, they pay a lot to go in the haven on, say, the Norwegian Pearl, which is one of their jewel class ships. And, you know, that is a completely different experience than on the getaway, the one I'm going to be doing. On the getaway, you have a private restaurant, you have a private bar, that kind of thing. On the Pearl, what they do instead is they don't have a private Haven restaurant. So what they do is they take, for example, Moderno, and they say, okay, since we don't serve breakfast in Moderno, we will turn that into a spot where you can go for breakfast. And since we don't really serve lunch in Cagney's, we'll use that as a place where Haven guests can go for lunch. Lunch. But it is obviously it's still a great experience, but it's a completely different experience than on the big ships where it is literally a ship within a ship. Well, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts of it. We've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Thank you so much, my friend. Always glad to do it. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah. Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. Teresa literally just returned from a five-night cruise on Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady. It was out of Port Miami, and the five-night itinerary went to Bimini in Costa Maya, Mexico. Teresa joins us on the line. Welcome back, Teresa. Oh, glad to be back, dog. I want to get some pre-cruise thoughts from you. I know uh, this is one of the most anticipated launches in the past five years or so, Virgin Voyages. What made you want to take this sailing? I was really interested and excited about doing it just because it's a brand new ship, but it's also a brand new product. And I had seen mixed reviews about it. 
Some people love it. Some hate it. So I wanted to experience it myself and see what it was all about. Now, you make your way. You're up in the Michigan area, and you make your way down to Florida. Any pre-cruise time in Florida? We came in the night before, but fairly late in the evening. So basically spending a night in a hotel. Gotcha. When you sailed, was the new terminal open for your sailing? I actually was there for the grand opening of the terminal. Nice. And the terminal was open for embarkation, but not for COVID testing. We had to go to Terminal G, get our testing and check-in, then walk over to Terminal V, very appropriately named. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really no big deal. But in the future, everything will be done in Terminal V. Because there was still a little construction going on. With Virgin, they're actually testing every passenger. Like you don't have to show up to the pier with a negative test because you're getting tested at the pier. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's something I prefer because I live in a small town and it's not always easy to get a test mm -hmm. or get one that you get back in a timely manner. I'm still waiting for one from November 16th. Jeez. Wow. The PCR right. part. I got the antigen. Gotcha. As far as the testing process with them, because I've been on a couple of sailings out of Miami debarking and watching people waiting to embark Virgin and starting to queue up. And it, it almost looked like it was a little bit of a hot mess uh, when it came to the pre-cruise COVID testing. Is that a little more organized now and pretty efficient? I would say no, because there was a long line waiting outside the door to get in for testing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the testing part. They had 10 tables. But yeah, it, I actually didn't even get on the ship until two, and I was one of the first ones on. Yikes. Did they tell you how many people were on board your sailing? Yes, there were only 820, and the capacity is 2,770. Wow. So you had the ship to yourself almost. That's awesome. Oh, I did. Sometimes it was a ghost town. Yeah. One thing I did notice, just you know, quickly scanning the people in line, it appeared to me, you know, minus the children, because this is an adult-only cruise, the same demographic as any other cruise line. You know, I didn't know mm -hmm. it was going to be all the 20-year-olds and the young, cool kids. And it was just the typical passenger. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate them really leaning into the whole millennial thing, but I think the writing was on the wall from the start that it really wasn't going to pan out like they thought. Because like I said, when I was at Port Miami watching people and watching the lines there, it's definitely like if you're on a Norwegian royal or carnival, that's the demographic on there, it seemed like to exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, how was the embarkation process as far as like, you know, making your way through the new terminal? Is the processing quick there? And by the time you said you didn't get on the ship until two, but I assume that a lot of that was because of the COVID testing. That was some of it. And they waited for the grand opening of the terminal. There was an event there and that had to be cleared out. So pushing the inaugural or the grand opening, I guess, of the terminal, Terminal V aside, how was the embarkation process not factoring the crowds and the media and everything like that? Oh, it was very easy. And the terminal is beautiful. It gives you a hint of maybe the sun deck on the ship instead of having the typical office chairs that y'all sit in while you're waiting mm -hmm. to board the ship. They have uh, double sun loungers and sofas, and you can go outside on a patio. So that's really nice. And of course, they're all red. You make your way on board Scarlet Lady. What were your first impressions? I was impressed. Very welcoming atmosphere. And the crew were absolutely great. They were sort of thrilled to be there. You know, they directed us right to our stateroom, which all the rooms were ready, and we were able to go directly to our room. There were a few people, you know, people kind of straggled in. So we didn't have to wait for an elevator. The elevators are very fast. You do need a band, which Virgin said they would mail to us. There were some little glitches in the beginning, like they never mailed the band. They said, just get it at the terminal, which we did. And we were concerned because we had moved that it went to an old address while well, it was never mailed. But you use your band for everything, including unlocking your stateroom door. Hmm. And the stateroom was very nice. There were nice areas in the ship that we saw on the way up there. 
So you know how most cruise ships you walk in, it's either an, an eventful big atrium like a Carnival or Royal Caribbean ship, or sometimes like a Norwegian ship, you're walking into a hallway. What is it like when you walk on board, like Virgin, you cross that gangway and you go into the first interior part of the ship? Like, what are you seeing? You are seeing the roundabout, which is their atrium, and it's circular. You know, there's a set of circular stairs going down a level. And that's where a lot of the entertainment like trivia and games happen in that area. And there's a pizza place, the draft house where they serve beer, some local from Miami like Wynwood. There is a shore excursion desk and the future cruise consultant desk there. Yeah. So, so it's a nice open area. It's very pleasant. Nice. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? I had a sea terrace and I was a little concerned about the room too. I guess I worry too much. The rooms convert. You can turn your bed into a sofa during the day, which I thought who'd want to do that. It turned out that we really like that. Virgin does not have evening turndown service. So it's actually a way you can get your bed freshened up at night, mm -hmm. but it's also really nice just for sitting around in the day. So you don't have to sit on the bed. You have this really nice lounger to enjoy. You said you had a sea terrace. So what is that equivalent to like in a regular Stephanie state room? Or veranda. Okay. Gotcha. And they had plenty of USB ports, outlets. The bathroom was minuscule. You could just about stand in the middle and touch the sink, toilet and shower. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of storage, but they are updating some of the rooms because people complained about there not being a lot of storage. So we were halfway through the update process, gotcha. which was putting a some wooden slats over the refrigerator and shelves, and they're going to put a wooden slats behind the TV and add another storage cubicle. Gotcha. How about as far as like the, the programming for the TV and the technology on board and the plugs and USB ports, plenty of that? Plenty of the plugs and USBs. The technology, I haven't figured out why you need to use a tablet to control everything. I can see for some things, like you can set the mood for the lighting in the room that controls the TV. Uh, you can close the drapes with that, but... I guess I'm old and old school, but a remote for the TV works for me. Right. But they did have a lot of movies you could watch. Not necessarily the most up to date, but I found on some other cruise lines. Now there's nothing on the TV. Yeah. So it was nice. You had to watch the muster video. We had to keep doing it. I think we did it four times because even Jeez. though we said we completed it, it didn't work. But that was probably one of the biggest productions on the ship, it was like a musical. It was incredible how much effort they put into making that muster video. Nice. So you, you went to your room, you did your muster drill, and now it's time to go get some food. Let's talk about, Virgin likes to say they don't have buffets, but when I was up there, it kind of seemed like a, a buffet-type food hall area. So what was your impression of the food hall, whatever they're calling it? The galley. There you go. Calling it, And it is a lot of different stations with different types of food. So, I mean, other cruise ships do that. So I didn't think it was that different. Mm -hmm. The first mistake we made is we went, we said, we'll just get sandwiches. And we, you know, we picked out what we wanted. They're like, oh no, no, you can't do that. You know, we didn't try to serve ourselves. We thought they'd hand us the sandwich. You actually have to go find a table and they bring you a menu, which has items from, every different station that's up there. So there's like a bento box, a sandwich, tacos, wow. breakfast all day, which was interesting, burgers, sweets, and I probably missed something. But you did have to sit down and order it. So that was interesting. A lot happening in there. And how about outside of there? I know where Virgin says all their specialty dining is included. How are the specialty restaurants? And do they have a main dining room on board? No, they do not have a main dining. You're right. It's specialty restaurants. And they're fairly large. And there's a good variety. I was very excited about going to Pink Agave because on their menu was Cochinita Pibil. 
And I've been to the Yucatan a lot, so I've eaten that, and I love it. Mm-hmm. So that was our first place to dine. There's a little note says, this is our take on this style of food, and it was their take. And, you know, I'm kind of jaded, I guess, because I've eaten it so many times and know what the authentic would taste like. But I thought it was really nice that they decided to try something maybe more out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. But if you try like that, I would still recommend you just have it. I don't know when you go to Costa Maya. Yeah, like that. Um, what do they have, like coconut lobster tail and stuff like that or not really? Right. Yeah. Like go, you know, go into Mahawal and. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. The city yeah, I was authentic for. food. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I praise them for trying. So it's not the same menu you would see on other cruise ships. How was your experience in the steakhouse? It's like a steak and seafood. I think it's called The Wake. Everyone was raving about that. I'm a meat lover, so I tried the filet. And it, you know, it was acceptable. But compared to steakhouses on other ships, I thought it didn't quite compare. How was the seafood? Actually, my husband had the fish and it was encrusted in a pastry. with He loved it. He thought that was very good. You know, they came and they carved the crust off and then cut the fish up for them. And I was waiting for them to feed them. <laughs> isn't there like a, a like a Mongolian walk type restaurant there on board? Is, there's a Korean barbecue. And since this was only a five-night cruise, we never had a chance to try that out. But basically, it's a round table and in the center is the cooking area. So you cook your own food. Okay. Yes. Very cool. And then so we covered agave the buffet area, the galley, the seafood steakhouse. What did I miss? The test kitchen. That's very interesting. You know, it's a nice area. looks kind of sterile, like a laboratory. The servers wear lab coats, and it's a fixed menu. It's a six-course meal, and they prepare very interesting dishes would be the way to put it. Like our first thing was like peas with a fried egg. And interesting combinations that I would never put together. I'm trying to picture this in my head. Is this more like a a steakhouse experience on some of the other cruise lines where it's an intimate, they're cooking everything by course? No, not at all. It was rather large. They had seating at counters. They had really uncomfortable, you know, counter stools there. We saw several people move and we thought, okay. And after a while, we moved, too, because we were there. and It was just uncomfortable. No, it's not really intimate. Not at all. Okay. And the, the menu, even though it's called a test kitchen, I thought that meant every day they'd be doing different experimental dishes. It's the same thing every day. Gotcha. Okay. So it's like a ro- it's not a rotating menu. It's you're getting served. Because, no. I guess because you're everyone's allowed to dine at... What, each specialty restaurant once and they, they pay for it again? Is that how it works on board? You know, they said you should only dine once, but since there weren't that many of us, if there were spaces in every restaurant, the Italian restaurant was probably the busiest. They said you could come back, and if there was a seat, you were welcome to dine again. Did you dine in there? Yes. How was it? I would say that was probably the best one. Nice. And they had the most diners And they had a pretty good menu. And one thing to note about the restaurants, they all have their own special cocktails. They also have their own wine list. So say I was at the test kitchen and I like a certain type of wine they had there. It would not be an easy thing for me to order it in another restaurant. We'd ask the waiter about that. He said, well, you know, my connections and maybe. And so that was interesting. Speaking of like the wine and the alcohol on board, is this included in the cost of your cruise? It is not. And they don't have a beverage package like other cruise lines do. Mm-hmm. But they do have, I guess you'd call it a special, like if you buy, I think for us, it was if we spent a hundred bucks, they throw extra 50 in. And maybe okay. there was another one, 300, they give you 400. But no, you, there's no package package. Gotcha. And it would drink prices, uh, you know, like you're paying like $10 for a vodka soda on Carnival or Norwegian these days. The same thing? That would be pretty close. Yeah. I know some of the specialty cocktails were like 13 or 16 bucks. Gotcha. They had a very good mezcal margarita in Pink Agave. 
I think that was $16. How did these Italian restaurants, I know you're a big fan of Norwegian Cruise Line and you like La Cucina. How did it stack up against that? It was different. I expected more pasta dishes. So that was a little disappointing for me, but they make their own pasta and it tasted fine. Mm -hmm. And then they also had, you know, seconds. So you could get a bigger, you could have antipasta, pasta, and then a second, big second plate. So if you wanted to get fish or pork or whatever, you could do that. Is it the Wi-Fi and gratuities are included in the price of the cruise? Yes, they are. Okay, so it's not the alcohol, it's the Wi-Fi and gratuities. The Wi-Fi and gratuities, okay. yes. Well, how was the entertainment on this ship throughout the week for you? Well, for us, it was a little difficult because, you know, we eat around 8 o'clock, and it's not like other cruise lines. They don't have, like, two shows a night. And I'm not the biggest show person to start with, but I thought I should go check one out. And they usually conflict it with our dining time, so... One thing I recommend is to keep in mind when you're making your dinner reservations, you know, that the shows were usually at 8 o'clock. So have an early dinner or really late dinner. The shows were about an hour long. We saw one. They have some drag shows. We went to one of those. And although they said you need to make a reservation, which we did, and then you would be in a virtual wait list. We got there and there were no seats for us. So oh, we thrilled about that. Yeah, found some straight chairs. <laughs> and the other show we saw was an acrobatic show, like an acrobatic take on Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, I mean, the performers were talented, but for me, it started dragging. It's like I've seen, you know, how many times do you have to crawl up the rope to the ceiling? Yeah, no, I I get that. And also, this theater is a little bit different. This isn't your typical show theater on a cruise ship. It's almost, I guess you would almost kind of compare it to, what, a gymnasium almost? I was going to say, it's like the basketball gym at high school. Yeah. And one uh, another thing to be aware of, I asked them when they said, you know, you had two teams for the show. One sat on one side of the theater and the other on the other. And I said, well, what if I have to? Where can I sit if I want to leave? Because I usually sit in the back of the theater and just leave when I'm ready. They said, oh, you may not leave during the show because just like a basketball court, if the edge line was right up to the bleachers, you would be in the game. Mm -hmm. So the performers come right to the edge where people sit. So you are not allowed to leave, but you can go upstairs, which is what I did. That's the secret. Yep. The secret is to go upstairs. I'm the same way with you. I'm not a big show person. I'm maybe good for 10, 15, 20 minutes and I'm out. And I noticed I'm like, I got in there and I started getting anxiety because I'm like, okay, there's no way out once you sit down in this theater because they're going to be all over the court. Then I saw out of the corner of my eye, oh, there's the upstairs. That was the place we went. For this show, it was probably a good place because mm-hmm. you're right at the ceiling so you can see these people, you know, crawling up to the ceiling and jumping to the ceiling. How about music around this ship outside of the production shows? There was one guitarist and there was the Scarlet Lady Band, and that was about it. I mean, it was good music, but not a lot of it. The same with the activities during the day, like, say, on a sea day, people want to do things. And we signed up. They had adult painting or something. Nobody showed up to do it. And there were maybe 10 of us there waiting and You know, they finally came 45 minutes later. And I spoke with some other guests who said, yeah, we went to this event. It kind of didn't exist. The staff will say, you know, we are a work in progress. And they appreciate any input. And, you know, they are working on improving. A work in progress. Okay, whatever. You can say that. But if you have on your daily activities, you're going to have ice carving by the pool at noon. The guests are going to expect an ice sculpture by the pool at noon. If you can't show up or if you don't have the manpower, modify your schedule. Exactly. And I don't know if they didn't think that people would come to these events or somebody overslept or... And other people said the same thing about other events. Hmm. And another, and I don't know if you consider this entertainment, but There's a big focus on wellness Mm -hmm. with Virgin. Unlike other cruise lines, you could join, like there was a bungee stretch class, yoga, 
of spinning a lot of the classes that you have to pay for on other cruise ships, and they're included with Virgin. Well, I tried every day to do yoga. You have to sign up for it. Never got in. I talked to other people. They couldn't get in. Tried to do that bungee thing just to try it. Found out there are only six bungees. So only six people can do that. And it's only offered once a day. Yeah. So I thought rather than having restaurants say you can only dine once, maybe they should do that for those special group classes. Right. How about the thermal suite? Like, could you go into the thermal suite or was that extra? I went and looked at it. It's very nice. It's very dark. I like dark things rather than bright. They have a hammam. They have a steam bath. They had a hot and cold plunge pools, a mud room. And they provide the mud. And it, it looked very nice. But unlike other cruise lines, again, and I know Virgin, I shouldn't compare. I always say don't be comparing all the cruise ships with each other. But what's different is you can get a pass for that. It's $39, but it's only for three hours. Wow. Yes. So that's different. And there are only, I think I only saw two people in there. Interesting. So you can't get it for the whole cruise then. And you can't even buy it for a whole day. It's been an interesting interview so far. So let's talk about the sea days as far as we won't say crowds and congestion because you're only at 800 people. But how about the layout of the pools? You have the big net overhanging the water on the back of the ship. And just the overall, how do the guests take to everything on the outside decks? Even on sea days, it seemed like a ghost ship sometimes. So maybe I missed something somewhere. But like on that net thing, I looked at it. I'd never get in it. You know, it's like the net for a catamaran that you could sit on. Mm -hmm. Nobody was there. And one great thing about the ship, you feel a real connection to the sea. There's a lot of outdoor places. So there was that net and on the aft on two decks. You know, there are bars and you could get snacks. Nothing was ever crowded. There was an outdoor gym and like a boxing ring. And I tried to find out about the boxing thing. Nobody seemed to know about it. It's like, okay. <laughs> and it is the only place there was like, you know, one of those tire swings. And I just sat on it for fun. And all of a sudden, somebody's pushing me. <laughs> and it was the first time security's ever come to push me on a swing. But then which other ship has that? Right. And the pool's very small. There were several hot tubs. I thought they kind of copied Norwegian's waterfront, which is a spot I enjoy. So you could get pizza outside. You could walk out from the ice cream. And it was a nice deck to walk around. Was the ice cream complimentary? Yes. Well, on this five-night cruise, you did go to their private beach club over in Bimini in the Bahamas and Costa Maya, Mexico. So let's start at Costa Maya. How was your day there? And any excursions or anything? We did our own excursion. We've been to... Oh, the Yucatan a lot. And we had a friend we tried to track down in Mahawal, which is the city. So when you get to Costa Maya, you go into a port area. Don't just look at that. Get out of there. For $4, you can go into the local fishing village and spend the day there. There's some beaches. You can go fishing, good food, margaritas. I highly recommend doing that. So after Costa Maya, Mexico, you shot over to the Bahamas where you went to Bimini. This is where the beach club is for Virgin. How was Bimini? I had never been before, and I was very impressed. They have a brand new pier, so larger cruise ships can now go there. You get off the ship, take a little tram right to the beach club, and they had plenty of beach chairs along the water, which is what we found, and I'm also not a beach person. <laughs> I'm not a beach person. I'm not a show person. But they all had umbrellas, which is perfect for me. And they have two really long pools. And that was the most popular place for people to sit. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sit around the pool, I recommend you get off the ship early. They have a couple bars by the pools. One thing a little frustrating was we got no bar service down by the beach. So I asked somebody, don't you have any servers? Because you're losing a lot of money. So we all had to run back up. And I know it's really no big deal. But, you know, if somebody came around and asked us if we want another drink, we would have bought one instead of being lazy, too lazy to go back. 
At least one thing I do like about that beach club, though, is when you're coming off the concrete and going down to the beach, they have those mats you can walk on. Yes. So you're not like killing your ankles trying to walk through the sand. You're just, you know, walking on a like a rug down to the ocean. Right. It was very clean and well-kept, clean restrooms. They have lockers that are free. You know, if you brought your valuables to the beach for some reason, it was very nice. And then they do serve some Caribbean-inspired food there. Virgin talks a lot about their beach parties at night where they light the fire and all that. Was any of that going on? That's one interesting thing. Our back on board time was seven, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I wanted to see they have that big fireball and they, the bonfire. But I have seen some of the other itineraries. They stayed there until 10 p.m. So maybe that was for a different itinerary. The whole Bimini story and the Bimini Beach Club is kind of interesting, right? Because they had their had a little good thing going if their shutdown didn't happen because they were going to be the only gig in town, the only cruise line calling to this exclusive destination. Fast forward through the pandemic and the restart, cruise lines were limited to where they couldn't go and the Bahamas would pretty much accept anyone. So they have a dock and the infrastructure cruise line said, you know what, let's just go to Bimini. It's part of the Bahamas. They'll take us. We'll go to the Bimini Beach Club, $39 for a day pass. It's beautiful. If you if you go to Bimini and you're there on the itinerary, definitely book that beach club. It's uh, almost like a half moon key meets a swanky Vegas pool deck without thousands of people. But I digress. So you're 60 miles away from Port Miami when you're at Bimini. You make your way to Port Miami and go to debark the ship. How was that process? Easy. I love their disembarkation because it was a short cruise. We just had carry on. So we did walk off. So you have to use your app and select the time you would like to disembark. The latest time is 10.30, and you don't have to just go stay in a lounge or restaurant or something, get out of your room at 7.30 or 8. You may stay in your room until 10.30. Wow, a chapter out of the hotel book. Makes sense, though. Yes. Uh, Any first-time tips to offer someone who may be considering sailing Virgin and giving it a shot? Uh, The first thing I would say is, you know, do your research. And, you know, I read a lot of things about Virgin, but I want to try things myself to see what I think. So I guess be open-minded about the experience and don't, even though I've been saying, oh, this other cruise line does this, don't say, oh my God, they do this. I wish I were on this other ship. Virgin is trying to be different. And I think maybe they're trying a little too hard to be different from other cruise lines. But I think also when booking, think about your other options at this price point. Yes, you do get gratuities included and internet and the free, you know, workout classes. But, you know, compare the price to another cruise line because this is a little pricier. I can really appreciate the fact that they were trying to, I guess we'll say disrupt the cruise market is what they were saying um, back yeah. when all this was happening and, you know, the the launch and everything. But it seems like you don't want to disrupt it too much, right? Because Exactly, because if it's been a good thing from the love boat, right? Well, that and the market's only so large, right? I mean, cruisers, there's consistency between each brands, whether it be food, the service or whatnot. And people have come to expect the same type of service or food or at least some kind of regimented experience throughout your voyage. Whereas um, it seems like they might be having to rein it back in now and kind of uh, change things up a little bit to kind of go back to cruising, you know, per se. Exactly. Looking back on this cruise, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think actually the biggest highlight Well, visiting Bimini was one because I hadn't been there before, but I really ended up enjoying the stateroom. And that was kind of shocking for me. I guess Mm -hmm. I didn't mention they have hammocks out on the balcony. So it was nice to go sit in the hammock. You had to be a contortionist to lay down in the hammock because it was set up as a chair. But that was very pleasant. And I guess a real highlight was the crew. They were outstanding. They were so happy to be there. Several said they all came from other cruise lines. I remember the one memorable statement was, you know, I was with this cruise line and it was 100%. But with Virgin, it's 1,000%. Nice. And that says, says a lot. A lot. Yeah, I guess it really does. the crew gets a lot of extra time off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're treated as equals. 
a lot of outdoor spaces devoted to them too, like right by the smokestack, uh, the yep. funnels and the basketball court and the outdoor chill areas. I noticed that was kind of cool. And they could that. actually eat in the restaurants too. Yeah. We saw some, you yeah. know, other cruise lines. It's, you know, maybe certain crew can yeah, eat officers in and, the main dining room. They yeah. didn't all have to eat at the crew mess. Yeah, it's good to see them le- uh, at least leveling the playing field for, for crew. That's really cool to see. How was the Wi-Fi speeds? Fair. Sometimes I didn't know if it was the Wi-Fi or the app. Mm-hmm. The app was frustrating sometimes. You know, it would just go out. When we were in Bimini, we were next to a mom and daughter from the UK. And the daughter said, I'm good at technology and this is just not working. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That got a little frustrating. But another thing to know for somebody who thinks they can go, you know, book their Southwest ticket on the computers on the ship, there is no internet cafe. Gotcha. Unless it's hidden somewhere. There's also no bridge cam or weather channel. So that was kind of interesting. You know, if you wanted to see the weather, you couldn't. I mean, you could go look out on your balcony, (laughs) but, you know, the night before, See where we're going. There was none of that. But that's supposedly in the works. These little points that you're bringing up, it's interesting because over the past six months, I've gotten about a dozen emails or so from listeners who have sailed the ship and wanted to review it. But I I knew in my mind, I'm like, you know what? It's a brand new product, a new startup, especially in this crazy environment. I'm going to give it like six months. So when you reached out, very grateful you did because um, at least we know where they stand now and where they need to pivot and what's working and what's not. So I appreciate you for coming on and sharing this review. Um, in closing here, what were your final thoughts of Scarlet Lady? You know, Doug, I'm still processing it. It's like, would I go back or what would make me go back? And I guess for me, the biggest thing was the food. I was mm. really disappointed. But again, you know, everybody's opinion about food is different. And there were people on the ship who thought the food was excellent. Yeah. So we all have different tastes. And really, the only way you can find out is if you try it yourself. Very good. We've been talking with Teresa Russell about her five-night cruise on Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady over to Costa Maya in Bimini, Bahamas. Teresa, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing this review. To leave you in the Virgin Voyage Spirit, I will leave by saying ahoy. <laughs> All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.